0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: This is Dr. Zudi Jasser, and welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Network radio network it's always an honor to be with you thank you for subscribing if you're a new listener thank you for joining me and i hope you find here what you've been looking for as far as finding that uh, moderate muslim that uh, loves this country is a patriot but believes that as an american muslim i have a unique responsibility to lead the way for reform to light a fire under the feet of Muslims not only in America but in the West and around the world that we have a problem within the House of Islam that's creating this radicalization. This program, Reform This, is about the areas that need reform. Every day, every issue brings to the forefront those areas that uh, we need to address as Muslims and painfully That is causing the collateral damage uh, of our citizens, our fellow 99% of America that are non-Muslims, our fellow human beings on a planet that a quarter of the world's population is Muslim and yet not enough, so few, a minor minority are addressing the problem and yet the other minority that are causing the radicalization and the pillaging and barbarism will only go away when we recognize the need for reform. Well, in this hotly contested, bizarre, scorched earth time of politics in America, we endured another presidential debate. And I'm not going to do a blow-by-blow review of even all the issues that uh, pertain to what I usually talk to you about. Um, I do want to address a couple things, Uh, one primarily on the abysmal response of both candidates on the issue of Syria and Russia, and then focus in on how some of the WikiLeaks released recently about Hillary's difference and the way she approaches private conversations versus public conversations is just a treasure trove of education about how, like I've said here many times, it's not that much difference between the left and the right. It's just that, unfortunately, many on the left are just dishonest about what's happening. And those who are honest will engage reformers. And those on the right sometimes have been siding too often with the fascist secular dictators and also need to feel that there can be hope within the Muslim community. So, this debate, boy, you know, I became apoplectic when they were asked about Syria and the response initially from Mr. Trump was that when he was asked about the war crimes in Aleppo, when he was asked about the children and women and hospitals being bombed, his response was to say, yes, it's bad and it's sad that Aleppo has fallen, which, which by the way, it has not fallen. It's a city of three to four million people that are being carpet bombed now for weeks into the and months into the Stone Ages, But it hasn't fallen. Yes, we are crossing that threshold of over a half a million dead throughout Syria. But Aleppo is a crossroads of the business community. We knew from the beginning of the revolution that once Aleppo and its citizenry joined the revolution, that that was the end for Assad and that he would have to destroy all of Syria once Aleppo got in. And the reason he is infurious, just furious about Aleppo is the government really cannot, just like Damascus, the other major city, the capital of Syria, but they can't create any type of functioning economy with Aleppo on the side of the revolution. My grandfather, Zudi Jasser, was from Aleppo. My parents uh, grew up there, and they told me a lot of stories, a lot of wonderful history about the transformation of Syria under the French, the modernization that began to happen, but there was hope that it would become unleashed as a Western-styled country after the French pulled out and allowed Syria to become independent in the late 40s. But unfortunately, their flirtation with democracy failed And then, from 1950 to 1958, there were over 20 coups until the unification with Egypt, which even brought more fascism and only lasted a few years. And then, ultimately, the Ba'ath internal coup, then in 1963, solidified the Ba'athists, the National Socialist Arabist Party in Syria, And then Hafez Assad took that over in 1970. But that history, uh, we can talk about some other time. But to say now that Assad is not bombing innocent populations, is not bombing civilians, is not trying to destroy his own country is just absurd. This is not the 60s in which news was controlled by newspapers and some scattered reports of television reporters. It might as well be the 40s where we had black and white reels being shipped 20 days later and watched from the homes in World War II. No, this is the 21st century. Syria was supposed to be the YouTube revolution when they thought that as the world saw the crimes against humanity that were done in the revolutions that began in dada in 2011 in march that as people were being assassinated in the streets and marched unarmed for weeks children were shot at a rate of approximately 50 to 100 a day and at times not more than one to two thousand a week The Syrian government had calculated that that was the rate of death that would prevent and probably hold back the world from caring a little too much that they'd want to do anything. And ultimately, this is the problem, is that this revolution went on for months and then ultimately the people found that they had nothing but to fight back in a war. Because their oppressors were killing them with weapons, with bombs, with flights, with aerial bombardment, and then later with chemical weapons. Fast forward five years, the population went from a few Islamists to large organizations of Islamists and jihadists from all over the planet, and... Thanks to, or no thanks, to Saudi Arabia, to Turkey, to Qatar, the radicalization systematically of the Syrian opposition occurred. Thanks to the vacuum left by America, Obama, Hillary and Kerry, the useless secretaries of states over the during the Syrian revolution, there were no solutions posited other than useless table discussions in which many of the Syrians that would have talked to you would have told you that there was no political solution to a fascist military regime that would stop at nothing but to massacre its own people. But somehow they knew that Qaddafi would do that and they stopped him. And Libya, yes, has turned into a mess since. But there's no, I think, guarantee that Syria would have been a similar mess. But even that is much less of a threat globally than Syria the ISIS threat globally, the Russia threat in the region, the Iranian threat of the client state. None of that regional threat is materializing so far in Libya. Yes, there are some Al Qaeda offshoots of Al Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula and others, and even some ISIS radicalization, but that is coming from Syria. So at the end the debate was not informed. <laughs> the debate was not informed by facts of this history that I laid out for you. The debate response was from Mr. Trump about Aleppo, and what's happening there was that oh, Assad is just trying to bomb ISIS. He's bombing ISIS. I didn't know whether I should have a seizure, cry, or what. He's not bombing ISIS. He's conveniently bombing civilian populations and leaving ISIS because that gives him an excuse to continue to decimate the real moderates that are dwindling and decreasing. Yes, there are a few sorties that they run against certain ISIS, but there's even evidence that economically there were channels of exchange of oil and other goods between Raqqa and the Syrian regime that were an entente, as the Wall Street Journal and others described it. And if you look in Aleppo, the vast majority of the area is being carpet bombed. There's no ISIS. There's not even Jabhat al-Nusra, which is an offshoot of Al-Qaeda, which certainly deserves to be bombed. And yes, they are penetrating many civilian populations, but it is horrifying to me that in a debate between two Perspective leaders of the free world, that's the response we get, that somehow Americans that don't know anything about Syria are going to start to think that Assad might be, since he's fighting the same enemy, a friend of ours. And there was hardly a negative word said, just that, oh, he's not a good guy. Like you're talking about somebody that uses some profanity. It's just horrific. And Hillary's no better. Hillary's much worse, actually, in that she doesn't even want to do anything forceful. And the allies she uses are the Islamists. The allies she uses, the solutions she sees, are Islamic states, Sharia states, that have been influencing her, and because it's the Clinton Foundation's allies and friends that they've built through the millions from Saudi Arabia and Qatar that have filled the coffers of the Clinton Foundation. So her response was, to try to mock Mr. Trump about his comments about Syria or, or Putin. But yet, she's not been any pillar of strength against Putin. There should be a petting zoo named after her and Kerry and President Obama in Moscow because of how weak and impotent and subservient they've been to Putin and Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister. There are some solutions. I've been asked many times this week. Well, Zudi, what are your solutions? There are some solutions to Syria. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Hillary and her corrupt connections with global Islamism, some solutions to Syria, and more on Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser.
1: Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today, the Blaze Radio Network
0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: Reaching the fault lines of today, this is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Dr. Zudi Jasser, welcome back to another segment this week of Reform This. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening. And I hope you feel like you're getting something here that you don't get anywhere else an American Muslim voice willing to take on the challenges of the day within our faith community globally, domestically, and abroad. When I left the last, we were talking about Hillary's hypocrisy and sort of the commentary at the debate. There were many missed opportunities at the debate, I have to tell you. It wasn't just the miscue about Assad. But just a ton of missed opportunities. They were asked about energy. What a missed opportunity to segue energy issues into the need to connect our dependency on foreign oil to our addiction to radical Islam. Yes, look yourself in the mirror before you fill up gas to know who's paying for the radicalization of jihadis across the planet because Saudi Arabia, Qatar the Gulf states, and the Petro-Islam equals political Islam, equals the Sharia state. It's all the same. Yes, they might be our allies operationally against ISIS, but they are the corporate Sharia states who don't like the viral grassroots Sharia state. So when presidential candidates who care about the free world are asked about energy and what they would do, it is important that we reinvigorate alternative energies. It is important that we build the pipeline from Canada and, and encourage domestic oil production because this will not only weaken Saudi Arabia and Qatar, it will weaken Russia, whose entire economy is often primarily dependent upon oil. And make no doubt about it, at least ethically, we know that we aren't financing from our own checking accounts when we pay for gas. We aren't financing our own demise through radicalization and the Islamic State organizations. Other opportunities that were missed. Hillary talked about taking Mosul back, that that would be the first thing that she'd do. Give me a break. Mosul? Seriously. Seriously. Why aren't you guys doing it now? What's preventing them? It is just amazing to me that discussions about Iraq, discussions about Syria, about the spread of ISIS and why it was able to become a, a, a massive form of terror organization scale state, Because of the vacuum in Iraq, not only our removal of troops, but because of the Iran deal. The Iran deal was to appease Iran at any cost with pallets of cash in the billions, 1.7 billion. The bypassing of congressional approval for payoffs, the ransom for hostages, the turning the blind eye to genocides, plural, one against the Christians, the other is against Sunnis in Syria the blind eye of their annexation of iraq the fact that our sons and daughters gave their lives for the liberation of iraq and that we did not chaperone it as we often do post wars for generations as we did in germany and korea south korea japan but no we're pulling out with Naria base idiocy complete idiocy to think that the Arab nations, after two generations of vicious militant dictatorships, are going to be able to, on their own, without chaperoning, create democracies. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's possible. And Iraq, in the vacuum we left with a 60% Shia population, allowed itself slowly to get into the orbit of Iran, and sure enough, ISIS floats into northern Iraq in order to get oil, money and strength in order to go back and fight its enemies, both the moderate free Syria army, the moderate arms at the time, which are hardly left any anymore of the Free Syria army and the Assad regime, and the old Sunnis of Iraq, the Baathists, the old Baathists, just let them come in. What do they care? Their Iraqi nationalism was dying, their Iraqi nationalism had been given over to Shia hegemony, to Shia Khomeinism, to Iranian nationalism. And that nationalism was Islamofascism, Islamopatriotism of the Islamic State of the Shia Khomeinists. They lost Iraq. Iraq is also dying. And there was that vacuum that was happening. So Hillary gave us a little lecture about taking Mosul back nonsense. And then she talked about caring about women and what she did in the 90s in China and others. Mr. Trump should have responded to her and said, Why is it that your foundation no- and its, its projects on women, one called noceilings.org, seems to have a big empty space on the map in countries that are Muslim-majority? Where's the work for women's rights in Qatar and Saudi Arabia? Where's the work for women's rights in Pakistan? A few little projects here and there, but most of them are in non-OIC leadership countries. And those are the Organization of Islamic Cooperation. Yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy there, and those were missed opportunities in the debates. And then the time in which Mr. Trump mentioned that he was at odds with Governor Pence about Russia. Can we not have an interview, please, with these candidates just about Russia? What is their Russia policy? How much do we push them? How much do we not push them? When Mr. Trump wants us to believe that we can get far by being nicer to Mr. Putin and earning his respect and respecting him, he really believes an old KGB thug who wants to reinvigorate the Soviet Union and has demonstrated offensive military imperialism in the Ukraine and detests NATO, is somehow going to respond to Mr. Trump's strength after he spent his campaign talking about how soft and how admirable he is towards him? I I don't think so. And again, I'm not saying that Hillary's any better. She's been petting zoo quality for the strength of a lack of it that she's been showing against Russia, and yet she said that that is what she's going to do, is push back and stare at them. Well, yes, they are evil. We need to stare evil in the face, but you do it through strength. Yes, no fly zones. I saw a lot of pieces this week about how both candidates uh, in the vice presidential debate threw around issues like safe zones and no-fly zones and didn't seem to realize that we would not be able to do that with the Russia flying sorties in the entire nation and the bases and, anti, um, and the missile anti-aircraft uh, missiles that have been placed on the ground there. There's a lot of truth to that. But Reagan led the Cold War with many proxy fights that we were helping both sides and one side especially against the Soviets without firing a bullet against the Russians because they took him seriously. The Soviets at the time took him seriously and they avoided war. So there are ways in which you start to make it publicly clear that you're serious about what we're going to do. and. Russia also would not want to enter a war. They're already starting to use language that implies that they would not shy away from using nuclear weapons because they're trying to, as the old Arabic saying goes, eat us for lunch before we eat them for dinner. <laughs> but but this is the problem, is that it doesn't just all of a sudden jump to, go ahead, start a sortie, and then all of a sudden we have Russian and American jets engaged and shooting each other down. No there is a process in which you begin to project a trajectory of NATO and the UN beginning to say that we need to have safe zones, we need to have no-fly zones. You start putting resolutions that they would defeat, but begin to say that this is going to happen. This is how it's done. And then ultimately, they may back down. They may not. But this should have been done before and we need to start projecting what we need to do. Adam Kinsinger had a great piece at Medium.com about what we can do in Syria. And there are many options, but a no-fly zone is one of them. And I think a small area in which you protect the refugees, especially the displaced, the internally displaced ones especially, I think would go a long way to stemming the tide of refugees that have, been leaving Syria into Turkey, but also beginning to slowly expand the area of safety there to get them water, to get them the goods that they need from a humanitarian perspective. There was a video this week revealed of a young girl by the name of Aya covered in blood, crying, screaming for her father in Arabic. "Ya Baba, she said. "Ya Baba. And That video is heart-wrenching. We've seen the one of the boy in the back of the bus. We've seen the baby washed up on the edge of the shore. Each of them pulls on the heartstrings of those of us that sit in the comfort of freedom and wonder, what can we do? There's nothing to do. I'd ask you if you're in Washington or you're in Jerusalem, go to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, Look at how long the world waited while nothing was done. And far be it for me, especially in this week of Yom Kippur, to make such a comparison to the horrific barbarism that led to the Holocaust. But a piece in Haaretz this week by a devout Jew made that comparison that we have sat on our hands... And history will show that we did nothing. And what does never again mean? The leaders of the free world are horrifically embarrassing and will be an embarrassment and blight on humanity, these two candidates. Talking about locker room talk, talking about everything unrelated to policy. It took 27 minutes in this last debate for them to get to anything policy-wise as we talked about banter, locker room conversations, sexual assault, emails, and other things that, yes, might be relevant in this political campaign. I'm not telling you that I haven't been involved in some of those conversations, but in perspective, really? This is what America's become? It's sad. There was a clip... Revealed about what Hillary told a Chicago Jewish organization about jihadists and how Jordan has no way possible that it could vet jihadists and that ultimately many will get through. This is what she said privately to a Jewish organization. And yet publicly... She calls people afraid of jihadists getting through bigots and un-American. So this is the hypocrisy of the left. They understand, policy people especially, understand that we have a major problem within the house of Islam and that without vetting ideologies of Islamism and political Islam and Sharia that, that we will allow many jihadists to come through. Polls have shown, as I've said here before, 20% ISIS sympathizers, sympathizers. And that's going to be leaving us at risk. And that's what Hillary told a Chicago group in 2013, before ISIS was even significantly created. Yes, it evolved in early 2013, but the threat, the refugee flow, hadn't even really begun at the scale at which we saw it in 2015. And yet she was making these statements that there's no way that we could vet them. So she is intensely dishonest. And obviously she was using the refugee issue for political one-upsmanship and minority identity politics. We'll continue in a second. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and I'll be right back.
1: Breaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser.
0: Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at Glenbeck.com slash liars.
1: The Blaze Radio Network on Demand. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser.
2: This is Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another segment this week of Reform This. It's always great to be with you and thank you for joining me in this conversation um, as we walk through the pointing issues of the day that I don't think you get as full of conversation on uh, elsewhere. So thank you for being with me. Share it with your friends and join us on the Blaze Radio Network. And uh, thanks to uh, Blaze for, for having me be part of their podcast network. Um, you know, the, the deception from Hillary is just just astounding. It is amazing that if you look at some of the quotes that were released from WikiLeaks, uh, they have not denied any of them. Um, And uh, we saw another uh, group uh, released many of the speeches that many of us were wondering what she actually said to many of these groups. And I never understood why those were confidential. Any speech I give, I allow people to record. I I, I don't uh, have speeches off the record uh, that I uh, um, would claim to have been invited to and publicly advertised, that doesn't make any sense. And yet when she's invited to speak to large organizations, these somehow later become off the record. She said, in the WikiLeaks quote, it said, you have to just sort of figure out how to, getting back to that word balance, how to balance the public and private efforts that are necessary to be successful politically and that's not just a comment about today she said in a speech to the national multi-housing council on april 23rd 2013 it's unsavory and it always has been that way but we usually end up where we need to be if everybody's watching you know all of the backroom discussions and the deals you know then people get a little nervous to say the least so you need to be both a public and a private position wow And then in the debate, she blamed that on Lincoln. That somehow she was talking about Lincoln and the movie, the Steven Spielberg movie, in which he supposedly had two positions that allowed him to move opinion. It's amazing. If I were to say that as a Muslim, they would call that taqiyya, which is a convoluted concept that somehow Muslims are lying. It's not necessarily convoluted because um, it is... about the reality that the Shia community was persecuted harshly initially at the foundation of Islam when they broke off in a schism, and then for many decades and centuries some would pretend to be Sunni when they were Shia, so there was some outward deception happening. and Many human beings do such things. It's not, I believe, part of the Islam I believe in. There are certainly many clerics that teach this public deception. We saw it even in secularists like Arafat, who used to say one thing in English and another thing in Arabic while he radicalized the Palestinian population, and he's not even a known practicing Salafi or Islamist. So, um, you know, I think that uh, the uh, ultimate discussion here is you know, if you look at the comments, uh, if I had, as a, as I was mentioning, if you if you're Muslim, you know, you're told that you may be lying, and that's obviously a, a great question because one of the reasons I do this work so frequently is I want there to be a public record about what I believe for decades and generations to come, and I think every Muslim should be held accountable. Are we pandering? Are we lying? Or do we actually believe in American constitutionalism? Do we reject political Islam? Do we reject the Islamic State? And I think also in politics, our leaders should be held accountable. They can't pander and say one thing to one group and another to another, and then we sort of take them at their word that when they get into office, they'll all be fine and hunky-dory. No. If they can't keep a straight thought and keep the truth from one day to the next... Yes, people can change their mind, but then they need to publicly say, I've changed my mind, not to lie about it. This is the disaster that's become American politics. But at the end of the day, I think when you see it in writing, that Hillary was basically talking about the need to lie, the need to deceive, you know that this is business as usual for a Washington 30-plus year insider. Reform, whether it be political or religious, cannot happen without honesty, without truth, without, I believe, a belief in accountability for who we are, what we are, and what we stand for, and what history will say we've done. And I think it is important that we hold our leaders accountable. What do we hold them accountable for? I think we hold them accountable for what they say and what they believe and how much they keep their promises. And Hillary's uh, dump of some of her speeches was just amazing. She also had this unbelievable quote that came out of one of the things she said. She said, I have dreams of open trade and open borders. I have dreams of a hemispheric common market with open trade and open borders. Now, Now, as a reformist, I have to tell you, This is unbelievable. It fits. It should fit together for you immediately that someone who works with Islamists, Islamists don't believe in borders. They don't believe in nation states. They want a one-world Islamic caliphate with sort of loose identities that allows them to sort of negate the sovereignty of various peoples around the world. Now, I would tell you that I can give you Islamic sources that would reject that that God tells Muslims in the Quran, I have created you as nations of tribes, of different tribes and races, so that you may know one another and you may love one another. But it says so that you may remain different, not become one, like this caliphism movement. And yet, the left, which believes in socialism, which believes in collectivism, wants to weaken our nation-state, our sovereignty. And since they have a common goal, they will work with the Islamists. But you see, if you talk to the socialist movement, for example, the Socialist Workers' Party in Europe, they have since abandoned the Islamists. They got a certain distance with them for decades. And then, oh, five, ten years ago, you start seeing the social worker, uh, the Socialist Workers' Party in Europe begin to write very scathing commentaries about islamist leaders like Tariq ramadan why because they realize that these are theocrats lefty socialists don't like theocrats they both are collectivists they're autocrats but the lefties hate god the lefties hate religion so once they start to realize that the theocrats are going to create a theocracy they're going to do everything they can to stop it but at the end of the day the theocrats deserve the socialists because they both believe in a powerful government they reject liberty they reject religious freedom or freedom not to worship freedom to be an atheist they reject the equality of all men and women and believe one believes that clerics should be running the other believes That government should confiscate your property in a socialist collective. But I have to tell you, it's important to look at this, to understand the danger of Hillary Clinton, to understand the danger of the left and why Brexit, the exit of the UK, as much as I had a lot of respect for Prime Minister Cameron, I do think Brexit was a very positive happening in Europe. Why? The EU is diluting national sovereignty. The EU was becoming natural fodder for political Islam to grow. Because the greatest threat to the Islamic movements, the greatest threat to them is national sovereignty. I wasn't radicalized as a Muslim growing up in Wisconsin because... I believe that the only thing I'd ever die for would be American nationalism, our freedom, our constitution, our way of life. That protection that made me feel that I had an American dream, I could find an American dream. I wanted that for my children, I wanted it for my neighbors, that that social contract was something that I was blessed from God to have. I wanted that for my, my neighbors and my country and my state. That was uniquely American. Islamism could never give me that. Never. Islamism believes that Muslims should have a higher leg up. And oh, not all Muslims, not the moderates. No, just the theocrats should. Just those who understand how to interpret Sharia in a certain way. That is dangerous. That is evil. That is theocracy. And that's nothing. Not only do I would I not die for that, that is an enemy idea of America. You can believe in personal faith practice and faith legalisms without believing in the Sharia state. Hillary's dream of open trade and open borders nullifies nationalism. Hillary's dream nullifies American identity, which is the antidote to radical Islam. When we come back, we'll continue this. I think extremely important discussion of why open borders is the reason for the spread of radical Islam. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and I'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss
0: Pat and Stu. And we got Halloween coming up too. Uh, we've already pulled the plug on one beautiful costume. What's it? They're complaining. First, they complained about uh, I think we pulled the plug on the Disney uh, rock character because you can't it's, you can't is that be that a, appropriating culture or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't be, doing that. Yeah. be kidding me? What, what movie was that? Uh, it's the latest animated oh. from Disney. Pat and Stu. weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: This, with Dr. this is Dr. Zudi Jesser. Welcome to our last segment this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It is always great to be with you and thanks for hanging in there with me this week as we talk about, I think, the things that you just won't hear drilled down in other programs. You know, I, I have to tell you this concept of national sovereignty. You and I have talked before about... How the Islamic State concept is the central oncogene, that cancer genetics that ties in jihad, apostasy, blasphemy laws, and all of it. That if you defeat, if you take out of the Islamic soul the Islamic State and you leave a personal pietistic practice, that you will defeat radicalization and jihad in its essence, because jihad is a responsibility of a citizen, a Muslim citizen of an Islamic state. Just as my responsibility as an American is to serve my military, to serve my country. And that if I do serve that military, I can't leave once I commit. Because not only will that be abandoning my country, that we will lose unit cohesion. Even in a democracy, you commit to serve, you serve. Otherwise, it's unauthorized absence, it is... Uh, abandonment, desertion, etc. In an Islamic state, thus jihad tells you you can't leave Islam because it's abandoning the Muslim military. So how do you defeat this? Is this only Islamic? This was the problem with any theocracy. When you had Christian states that had Christian soldiers that went on in, into war, the only way to change that concept of devotion to Christ as also devotion to government and the people that run it and its military is to separate church and state to prevent the establishment of religion. It doesn't mean you don't take your religion to politics and your values and morals. It just means that the church cannot establish itself through the governmental military and through the system. And that is what the Islamic State is. So if you're Islamists and you know you can't convert the other three quarters of the world, how do you create movements that allow you to create hegemonic Islamic states that will create caliphates? You basically destroy the concept of the secular state. What greater way to do that than to work with the far left? The WikiLeaks quotes this week show that Hillary not only admitted not only admitted to saying some things privately versus other things publicly, but said that her dream is open trade and open borders. And if you think that has nothing to do with the spread of radical Islam, you are living on Mars. Because the Islamists not only take advantage of open borders by coming in and out of Paris and Belgium and Europe and Canada and the United States and through Mexico. So one is transport. They can move more easily in open borders, which is why we've been begging in Arizona for a wall. And the wall is part of the answer. But you dilute what it means to be canadian american or mexican you dilute what it means to be british and yes the same pathology that creates a muslim population in britain that's 81 percent muslim first and british second that same pathology wants open borders because to them britain doesn't mean anything and if you want to know it's not about assimilation I hate that term because assimilate means you somehow abandon your own identity in order to become a new one. Now, my parents felt American the moment they came here. Within a few days of stepping off the airplane and becoming seeking political asylum here, they understood what that American dream was and they felt American, were praying that they'd get acceptance to be able to stay here as green card residents. And they did and five years later became citizens in 1972. But to them, America meant something. It was an idea. It was that city on a hill that gave them freedom and liberty. Americanism was something they taught their children, taught me to be the only thing, the only national identity we'd want to die for, the only flag we'd want to wave and die for. So, whether you're spoiled rich millionaire quarterback second stringer on the 49ers who doesn't want to stand because he feels like he's victimized and finds some reason to hate his country and tell the rest of the country that he is um, not wanting to join them in their national anthem no instead of joining them and then later saying that, yes, he loves this country, participated in it, and wants to see us repair against some of the pathology in police that makes them look differently at blacks than others. Yes, there is some of that that exists, but you don't address it by violating the few things that bring us together, like the national anthem. Those violations, the burning of the flag, and even Ruth Bader Ginsburg this week, Even the lefty realized, but she realized, why? Because she studied the law, she understands the Constitution. She realizes that's the fabric that keeps this country together. You unravel that and we are done. We are toast. And this open borders concept is toast. It's toast. We only, I can tell you and my children as I teach them the value of, of Americanism, what it means to be American. I want them to wrap themselves in not only the flag, but the idea of what it means to be American. And that this will protect them against evil ideas like socialism, like communism, like fascism. The fascism of a far right that would tell them that the means, uh, that the ends justifies the means to protect their country when, in fact, it violates the Constitution. That freedom and liberty and our equal rights under God for every human being, regardless of race, national creed, national origin, or faith. That that is Americanism. And that ultimately there will be competition for that identity from, in our faith community, most importantly, from Islamists who believe that their political party should be driven by Islamic identity, that when they vote, when they participate in politics, it's about who's best for Muslims, who's best for the Middle East and their lands that they came from rather than who's best for America and our individual rights as every American is represented in this government and how who is best to protect the rights embodied and enshrined in our constitution. That is getting lost from us. And make no mistake, presidential candidates who dream of these things, who, when it's not something they know is going to be seen or heard by many people, and they think they're speaking to their own socialist or leftist crowd or choir, is when you know what they really feel. You don't see her in the WikiLeaks document talking about her love for freedom and liberty and her detest, detestment for sharia states and others. Why? Because they just don't care. As long as they've got millions they're making off of speeches and able to live high on the hog, these aren't people of the people. These are technocrats and autocrats and kleptocrats who believe they're entitled, that somehow God gave them a silver spoon and told them you will lead. It doesn't matter what your own indiscretions are. You will lead because you are better than everybody else. And the Islamists will tell you that that's because of capitalism that, that corrupts them. But no, capitalism is the engine of individual rights. Capitalism is the engine that allows individuals not to be dependent upon others. If you talk to women that are independent in Afghanistan and Pakistan and the Middle East, every one of them that's independent, is it starts through economic independence. And then they're able to tell their husbands, their brothers, their uncles, and their other patriarchs that they can interpret the Qur'an on their own. And if they disagree, they can go pound sand and they'll find an imam that agrees with them. That's the only way to reform Islam is through economic independence. That's why liberty is so important. That's why socialism fails. That's why these open borders are a disaster. And the Hillary leaks are a treasure trove of teaching. You know, in one of the leaks she was saying how in one of the speeches she was blaming the Saudis and the Qataris for creating ISIS and radicalizing Muslims. I read that and I'm like, you lying sack. Can you believe that? Here's somebody who called us, even Muslims islamophobic and works with groups that say it's islamophobic to say that the islamic republic of iran and the islamist states of saudi arabia and others radicalize because they are our allies and then she says it in a speech and yet doesn't want to connect violent extremism to violent islamism and yet behind the scenes she agrees with us And yet her Clinton Foundation takes millions from these countries, and that's why sheer public policy is so dysfunctional. But privately, privately, she tells us the real scoop. Does it matter what she says privately? To me, it matters what you do publicly. So, you know, I... It is. It is just. It is just amazing to me with the level. You know, we started uh, this episode this week talking about the gutterish conversations that's happening in political discourse, and now I'm ending complaining about how the values that we look for, we don't know what to believe, whether they're public or private comments, and it doesn't matter when they're disparate. But yet you realize that it's not that they disagree. Hillary agrees with us, but yet is working with our enemies in the Gulf states and Petro-Islamists. By the way, it's not just the disease of the left. We see that on the right. Well, one more of these painful car accidents, these debates that's left. And I hope we'll see some growth on these issues beyond the personal guttural attacks that happen. I hope you'll start to look at the depth of these issues, of the history that we know in Syria, the history in Iraq, what actually happened, the fact that their position on the war and other things matters because of their understanding of the consequences of the withdrawal of troops, their understanding of the consequences of the imperial interests of Iran and others. I hope, though, you hold Muslims and non-Muslims accountable to being truthful, both in private and in public. You can't reform a dang thing with people that tell one group one thing and another another. I tell my family the same thing on our dinner table with just the five of us that I do to you here on this podcast on reform This. God bless you. God bless the United States of America, and God bless liberty and freedom for all. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. I'll catch you next week.
1: Thank you. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.